Hello, welcome to the Forest Lake Church. Thank you for being with us today for our special Christmas celebration Sabbath. We're so glad you've joined us in this experience of togetherness here within our community as we come together to worship the Lord that was born in Bethlehem. We're so glad to have our brass here today, our sanctuary choir, as well as some of our praise teams here for this Christmas celebration. And I pray that the spirit of love that is a part of this season will be in your heart and you will experience the presence of the Lord both today and in this entire Christmas season. Thank you for being with us. third service and very special holiday program. I just want to mention that before you leave today, there is a holiday drink, wassail, in the lobby. And if you haven't tried it before, you might enjoy it. It's just a fruit drink, uh, but it's special for the holiday. You have all sung around, here we come a wassailing. You kind of wondered what that was. If you haven't had it, here's your chance. So join me in prayer as we prepare a, a special time, a season to worship our King. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for coming, for being here with us, for coming when you did and being our Savior. We thank you for right now coming into our hearts. We ask you'll help us to open our hearts and make room for you, that we may worship you and honor you for all that you are. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Merry Christmas. If that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what will. And I can guarantee you it won't be the last time this morning that our musicians will, uh, will, will do that for us. Before we have our offering call this morning, the staff wanted me to share some of the great work that we've been doing this holiday season with different service projects in the area. The, holid, uh, the Angel Tree Project, um, we've helped over 300 local children in need this Christmas season. Each Sabbath, or the Orlando Children's Church buses in three to 400 kids where they serve them breakfast, have worship with them, play games, and help fill in needs such as back-to-school items and Christmas gifts. And our church helped assist them this Christmas with many toys and gift cards. Also, Christmas in reverse. Our high school kids raised over $2,000 for gifts to be given to 17 people of all different ages across four different families. In Operation Christmas Child, our young adults at Forest Lake Church sent over 200 gift boxes across the world, and these boxes include toys, toiletries, and school supplies. For offering call this morning, I wanted to do something simple and read one of, uh, I know, my family's uh, favorite stories, that was, and it's the Sabbath before Christmas. Twas the Sabbath before Christmas, when all through the church, no one was giving because they had bought too much merch. <laughs> Pastors had asked that we all chip in and care, but as it passed by, I left the offering plate bare. So with me in my suit and my kids' heads in my lap, I had just settled down for a long sermon's nap. <laughs> when all of a sudden, there arose such a clatter. I sprang from my pew to see what was the matter. I ran through the narthex. I was there in a flash. Sprinting through the new lobby, I made a mad dash. Out to the fountain and in the bright light did I stare in amazement at a wondrous sight. A guy dressed in red, riding round in a golf cart. It was easy to see that he had a big heart. With his jolly laugh and a really cool goatee, I knew in a moment who that driver must be. Pastor Jeff, as he drove, shouted all the good deeds that our church does for us and for people in need. And when he whooshed past me, not a word did he chide, but mentioned all the things our offerings provide, like small groups and music and other such things, and let's not forget a brand new kid's wing. As he kept driving, I stood there and thought of all the gifts that week that I had just bought. Then my heart was reminded that I have a part to gift back to my church for what they impart. And as he spun past one last time with a grin, he knew what he said had finally sunk in. As he rode off, these words did he speak. Merry Christmas to all, and I'll see you next week.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit will come now and be with us, the same Spirit that inspired those who wrote these words will come now and speak to our heads and to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. It's a remarkable passage, and it just appears, and, and, and we hear this story, and there's only one little piece in there to give us an idea of just, just how startling of an event this was. It says, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So it seems to me from those words that, that angels appearing and talking was not something Mary was accustomed to. Just like you're not accustomed to that. In fact, I'm going to guess this was the first time she ever had a face-to-face with an angel. And I think this was captured very well in that little video we saw there at the beginning where, where she's overwhelmed. Yet I appreciate the description. I, I think it might be slightly understated, but greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be, which then the angel comes back with the standard angel response, do not be afraid. It's important for them to say that to us. But he says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Now, what do you think when you hear those words, you have found favor with God? Are you tempted to think that those words probably mean, therefore, the rest of my life is going to be a dream? I've found favor with God. Therefore, I'm not going to have to travel while pregnant. Well, apparently it doesn't mean that, right? I found favor with God. So when my child is born, it's probably going to happen in a beautiful birthing room with, with lovely music in the background. I guess you could call a stable an exotic birthing room. I found favor with God. And, and listen to the description of, of what my child is going to be. You will give birth to a child, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And then you took your boy home, and you raised him year after year after year after year after year, and it seemed like nobody even cared. How could, how could what's happening be God's promise? Have you ever asked that in your life? 
How can what's happening in my life be God's promise? See, I'm inclined to think that if those words had been spoken to me, I would think that this child would be great, therefore when he was born, there would be all kinds of amazing people that would show up to acknowledge he was great. Well, there were some shepherds, and uh, not to destroy your image too much, but uh, evidence suggests the wise men did not arrive that night. Just saying, don't go home and destroy your nativity scene, but (laughs) chances are slim because it says when they were in the house. So I'm going to say that happened a little later on, but nonetheless, you know what happened when the Magi arrive in Jerusalem, right? Looking for the one born king of the Jews. How many were expecting the king of the Jews? Nobody. But the angel said he'd be great. He would be king. And if I were Mary, I would think that means that uh, he's going to be in Jerusalem on David's throne. That's what I would have thought. And as the years went by, I would have thought, how, how can this be the promise? How can what is happening in my life, how can what is happening in his life be the promise? But here's the thing about the promises of God. If God had fulfilled the promise to Mary the way Mary was accepting, or was expecting, if God had fulfilled things the way that she was expecting, Jesus would have ended up being a lot less than he really was, wouldn't he? Could it be when it looks like the promise is not coming true, Could it be because what we have thought the promise is is too small and what God is actually doing is so much bigger that He's told us in those words because that's what we can understand, but what He's going to do is more than we could even imagine? There's a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament that speaks of what would happen when Jesus was born, but there is one particular work that really is the primary reason, I believe, why we know so much Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. And and it speaks to the power of music. And that work is an oratorio written by Handel called The Messiah. So many of the words in there that, that if you, like me, have heard some portion of that oratorio every year of your life at Christmas time, So many of those words that are laid down in your heart are Old Testament prophecies about the one who was to come. I'll give you an example. We go to uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. And then, and then you could almost hear me singing, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You go down to verse 6 and some words that, that are key For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know what the line is that we sing in that great song, the Hallelujah Chorus? You know how that line goes? It goes, and he shall reign forever and ever, right? And he shall reign forever and ever. You know, that, that chorus does that thing again and again and again, right? The hallelujah chorus, because, because repetition gets it in your head. And when you put it with a song, it stays there. And when you need it, it's available. So here's a question for you. Does Jesus reign in your heart? Stand as we sing together. next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world this is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me I myself did not know him but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel then John gave this testimony I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him and I myself did not know him but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me 
The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. To the Lamb, to the Lamb, upon the throne, hallelujah, hallelujah, to the Lord, forevermore,
one last time, just the voices. We won't grow tired. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. One of the symbols, one of the motifs, one of the, the uh, demonstrations that is frequently used in Scripture to describe the coming of God into the world, the coming of Jesus, is this idea of, of darkness and light. You heard that part. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. The, the, the powerful moment of the shepherds on the hillside in the darkness on the hillside, when the light appears. Do you ever feel like you're living in a world of darkness? Do you long for the light to appear? This John chapter 1 is interesting. This is, uh, I like to call this John's birth narrative. It's not a charming story with shepherds and with wise men. It's a, it's a theological birth narrative. It doesn't tell how it happened, but it does tell what happened. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. You have life in you. That came from Jesus. You have existence. That came from Jesus. Do you have light in you? That comes from Jesus too. Verse 10 He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. These are amazing words here. These are precious words here. Because you know what these words say? These words say that the only thing it takes to be Jesus' brother and a child of God or to be Jesus' sister, the only thing it takes is to believe in the one the Father sent. So you see, it says he came to his own. Yes, he he was of the Jews. He came from the Jews. He came to be king on David's throne, and he shall reign forever and ever. But the way was opened for us too. Because 
it says, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to be children of God. So that means that even though my relatives in the time when Jesus was on the earth were a bunch of crazy pagan barbarians living in the northern country of Europe, doing all manner of unspeakable things to one another, yet because someone in my line believed, I too was given the right to be a son and daughter of God. And maybe your ancestors at the time of Jesus were living in Asia somewhere. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Because someone brought the light of the story of Jesus to you or to your family. And because they believed, you too are a son or daughter of God. Maybe, maybe your family was in North America in that time. Maybe South America. Maybe Africa. It doesn't matter. Because the only requirement to be a son or daughter of God is to believe in the one He sent, Jesus Christ. When the angels came that night and were on the hill, they said, Behold, I bring good tidings of great joy. The good tidings is the good news. Jesus has come. The Savior is here. The great joy is what you feel when you let Jesus into your heart. Because through Jesus, God has made peace with the humans that fell away. Through Jesus, the way is open for us to be the sons and daughters of God. Through Jesus, light has come into the world.
So do you know the joy expressed in that song? Do you feel the thrill in your heart of the glory of the one who came? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Such a simple story, such a simple beginning, and it was dark that night. I want you to have an experience associated with light and dark. So I've asked that the lights be brought down for this because as much as the story of the coming of Jesus fills us with the thrill and, and with the great sounds of victory, there's another thing about it. You see, on the hill there when the angels appeared, they said... Uh, they sang this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. And you know, they might have gotten it in their minds seeing all of this that, that what they were going to see when they went to see this child was going to be something fabulous, some amazing reality. But, but actually, the angel warned them. He said, this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And I think it's fitting, you know, that the one who came to bring us peace would not be found his first night in a, in a place of great ceremony. Oh, yes, there's time for great ceremony. But that first night, that dark night, when the light had come into the world, he was found in a quiet place, in a peaceful place. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace in your heart? I believe that Jesus is giving us an invitation. Not just to enter into the fun of the season, not just to enter into the joy of the season, but to enter into the peace. Would you like peace? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Receive Him in your heart.
Well, historically, we would have Christmas programs, and maybe you remember this from when you were young, and we would do Silent Night at the end, and, and everyone would stand around with a candle, and, and your little eight-year-old hand would fill the thrill of hot wax dripping all over your fingers. We don't do candles anymore. I think somebody decided anyone under 40 can't be trusted with open flame. So, so we don't do candles anymore. But why did we do that? Well, I think we did it because it was very symbolic of a simple reality, and that is the angels appeared in a bright light, and, and the glory of what they had to say was this message that the Son of God is born into the world. Light has come to darkness. And so in darkness, light is very visible and very noticeable. And what I want to say to you is you can still be light in this world. Because when you come like the angels did into a dark place and you bring the good news that Jesus is born, then you become a light in the darkness. Are you willing to be a light? in the darkness. You see, we don't have candles anymore, but the good news is now we all carry around a candle in our pocket. And if you are willing to commit to being a light for Jesus, will you light your light right now while we sing Silent Night? Let's sing together. child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in 
be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. Amen.